The Daily Rios, episode 433, Timeline Tuesday for August 2018. Hey everyone, this is your host, Peter. So I'm bringing back this particular episode, Timeline Tuesday, where I get to do a deep dive throughout comics history. Now the last one I did was the Daily Rios episode 419, and that was for the month of November 2017, so, you know, it's been some time. But I like doing this research. I like remembering comics that I haven't thought about in a while. I discover some new things, some new titles. I realize just how long some of these characters and titles and creators have been around. So if you've never heard this episode, what I do is I go back and I go to the 10-year anniversary, the 25-year anniversary, the 50-year anniversary, and even the 75-year anniversary, depending on whatever month the episode is released. So we're talking about August. It is August 7th, as I record this episode, August 7th, 2018. And these aren't cover dates, to the best of my knowledge and to the best of my research and all my little notes and timelines here and there. These are actual ship dates when it comes to the issue releases. So we're not looking at cover months, we're looking at, trying to look at, I should say, actual uh, release dates when these comics hit the stand, again, uh, as best as I can, you know, verify. As always, if you think I might have missed something or uh, my information is incorrect, you can email me, peter at thedailyrios.com. By all means, leave a comment on the website or through Twitter. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy this kind of stuff. If you've been listening to me for a long time, me and dates, me and comics history, me and trivia, minutia, whatever you want to call it, I'm a fan of it, and I'm always interested to find out when there's some synergy going on with what's going on in comics today in connection with the anniversaries. And I'm not a fan of doing, you know, the 35th anniversary or the 8th anniversary. That's why you're getting the 10th, the 25th, the 50th, and the 75th. I, I like, uh, you know, the more common anniversaries. So let's go back 10 years ago to August 2008. From Vertigo Comics, we had Air Number 1, a series by G. Willow Wilson and artist M.K. Perker and Company. Now, prior to this, G. Willow Wilson had... Uh, put out Cairo, the hardcover Cairo, and she would go on to write Vixen, Return of the Lion, a miniseries. Now, the only reason I think I probably took note of this is because she's about to write Wonder Woman in a very high-profile run. So, 10 years ago, we got G. Willow Wilson's Air. 10 years ago, we had Brad Meltzer and Adam Kubert on the one-shot called DC Universe Last Will and Testament. This was during Final Crisis. However, this one shot was Meltzer's coda, in a way, to Identity Crisis. Uh, it features Geoforce. He's hunting after Deathstroke. They obviously have a lot of history. And it read a bit like a love letter to the New Teen Titans and Outsiders comics of the 80s. So in the vein of DC Countdown to uh, Infinite Crisis, the 80-page special that kicked off that event, we had DC Universe Last Will and Testament, another one-shot that DC does pretty well. Now, speaking of Final Crisis, 
in August, 10 years ago, we got the first issue of Final Crisis, Legion of Three Worlds by Jeff Johns and George Perez and company. A truly, truly deep dive into the Legion history and Legion comics and Legion publishing. It would be a revamp of sorts for the Legion. And there are people out there who think that during Final Crisis that this should have been the big event that led the whole thing. I don't necessarily agree with it. I did like this series, obviously. And it's definitely one that I would love to revisit. So 10 years ago, Legion of Three Worlds. So with all these anniversary dates, I like to hit a, a few big ones. And then what I'll do is just run off a bunch of other stuff. Uh, smaller little things here and there. So in Action Comics 868, 10 years ago, we were in the middle of the battle against Brainiac. And I think... If I'm rem remembering right, it was Jeff Johns, Gary Frank. Apparently, this version of Brainiac was the first time uh, that the two really met, Superman and Brainiac. And the way it was described is that all the other times that Superman had met Brainiac, it really was just a century of this truly original version, something like that. So that was going on over in the Batman comics, Batman 680 and Detective uh, 847. We were in the middle of Batman R.I.P. Captain America 41. We were in the middle of Bucky as Captain America. Catwoman 82, 10 years ago. Final issue by Will Pfeiffer and David Lopez and company. This is the volume that started with Ed Brubaker and Darwin Cook. And Will Pfeiffer began writing at issue 44. And he would continue to write the series until the end, through Identity Crisis, through One Year Later, through through Salvation Run, through a lot of events. But I was a big fan of the Will Pfeiffer run. I haven't read the Brubaker Cook stuff, but the Pfeiffer stuff I really did like. Speaking of Final Crisis, we were at issue number three, and we would also get Superman Beyond number one. Ten years ago, Hulk 5, we were in the middle of Red Hulk, remember that? Little Mystery by Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis. Uh, Secret Invasion was at issue 5, a series that uh, was pretty good until the end. DC was kicking out their third weekly event called Trinity by Kurt Busiek and Mark Bagley, who had come over to DC. And at this point, we're only at issues 10, and, 10 through 13. Uncanny X-Men 501, Matt Fraction takes over the book. Wolverine 68 were three issues into the Old Man Logan story by Mark Miller and Steve McNiven. So that's 10 years old. Terry Moore's Echo is up to issue five. I Kill Giants was up to issue two. And although this isn't August, uh, June 27th, 2008, Michael Turner passed away with uh, to complications from bone cancer. So he's been missing from the comics community for 10 years now. All right, 25 years ago, August of 1993, we got the first issue of a five-issue miniseries called Daredevil, Man Without Fear by Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. Such a good miniseries. Probably the first fleshed-out origin I read of the character. And Daredevil was getting a lot of spotlight because over in the main book with issue 321, we were reading the second part of Fall from Grace by writer Dan G. Chichester and penciler Scott McDaniel. It's probably the first time I really saw Scott McDaniel's art. And this was the issue, even though it was part two, it had a glow-in-the-dark cover. 
Uh, the storyline was part Born Again, part Nightfall, mixed with a, I don't know, a Venom-like character in the Daredevil universe. Kind of strange. This is also the storyline that would give us Daredevil armor. Yeah, Daredevil was uh, kind of in, in the spotlight, so I was picking it up because of that, and I definitely picked up Daredevil Man Without Fear. It's a quick read if you get a hold of it, but it's well done. There's an appearance by Elektra, and the John Romita Jr. artwork at that time was, you know, big and boisterous and a lot of fun. Let's see, over in Avengers, Avengers 367, we get the prelude to Blood Ties, which would be an Avengers X-Men crossover, and it revolved around the kidnapping of Luna, who is the daughter of Quicksilver and Crystal, the Inhuman, and the kidnapper was one of Magneto's acolytes. Fabian Cortez, I think his name was, and remember the character Exodus that was Magneto's... I don't know. He was like the ultimate follower <laughs> of Magneto. So we're getting ready to kick off that storyline. Batman 500, super big issue. Nightfall ends, and we're about ready to kick off Night's Quest. Uh, as Bats takes over the mantle of Batman, Bruce Wayne has been defeated, and by now, this point, I think he was on the run or disappeared, something like that. The Gotham by Geeks podcast they just celebrated their 100th episode and they talk about nightfall a little bit and it's important and how the comics community uh either read it or they didn't read it or how current comic readers may not have read it so yeah 10 years ago batman 500 speaking of batman batman adventures 12 which was a comic based on the animated series has the first appearance of harley quinn in comics by Kelly Puckett and Mike Parabek. Now, she appeared about a year prior to this comic in the Batman animated series in the episode called Joker's Favor around September of 1992. This is the animated version making her appearance in comics. And then the Harley Quinn that would be in the DC Universe would make her appearance in 1999 in the Harley Quinn one-shot by Paul Dini and Yvel Gachet. So we're looking at the animated version appearing in comics 10, uh, 25 years in Batman Adventures number 12. All right, also 25 years ago, 1993 of August, Golden Age number one of four, a truly remarkable miniseries by James Robinson, Paul Smith and Company, featuring all the World War II DC heroes put together in this montage of a story, part mystery, part adventure, high drama, pretty gruesome by the end. Uh, it is fantastic. It is a lovely, lovely, lovely way to wrap up the Golden Age corner of the DC Universe. It was an Elseworlds story, but it might as well just have been part of the larger DC fabric. In fact, when James Robinson started Starman, there are elements in Starman that reflect back to this story. It is another comic that I I really want to do a deep dive on because I love that miniseries. Okay, let's look at some smaller stuff. In Superman, uh, we were wrapping up Reign of the Superman. Uh, so we had Action Comics 691, Adventures of Superman 505, Superman 82, Man of Steel 26. He has returned in his costume with his mullet and all things came to a 
happy ending? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so 25 years ago, obviously the new version of Death of Superman, I think, was released today, and we're going to get Reign of the Superman, a part two to that animated movie, uh, next year. Over in X-Men, X-Men 25 was their version of Fatal Attractions, so all of the X-Books were celebrating this uh theme, this thematic story going through all their books called Fatal Attractions. You could tell it was a Fatal Attractions cover because it was cardstock and it had a holograph trading card pinned to it or glued to it. So in this issue, because, you know, again, uh, the storyline is between X-Men and Magneto and the Acolytes, this was the issue where Wolverine's adamantium got ripped out by Magneto. And in return... Xavier takes Magneto's mind. He basically mind wipes him. And by the end, uh, we get a comatose Mag Magneto and Colossus decides to stay with the Acolytes. This was by Fabian Nicieza and Andy Kubert. I was all over this storyline. I was all over all the X-Books at this point. And this would be the setup for the Bone Claws in Wolverine. It would eventually also be the setup for Onslaught, uh, there was a lot to do with the legacy virus after this, Exodus, as I mentioned, and again, this would all kick off the Blood Ties storyline. It was fun to be a, an X-Men reader back then. Uh, let's continue. We have uh, Thunderstrike number one. Eric Masterson gets his own comic. Uh, this was the era of replacements in comics. You know, you got Asbats taking over for Batman. You had four different characters replacing Superman. Uh, Eric's Ma Eric Masterson was Thor for a while. And I think we're coming up on when Diana gets replaced as Wonder Woman. Uh, we get a new Green Arrow and Connor Hawk. I mean, uh, we're living in... No, soon. I think in another couple months. We're going to get Kyle Rayner as Green Lantern. So yeah, this was the era of not necessarily legacies. They were more like replacements. So Thunderstrike, number one. Over in Amazing Spider-Man, we were reading the David Michelinie and Mark Bagley comics at this time. Catwoman 2. So we just got started on Catwoman by Mary Jo Duffy and Jim Ballant. And in August, 25 years ago, issue 2 had hit. Miracle Man 24 was the final issue, probably because they just couldn't do anymore, and that was released 25 years ago in August. Demon number 40 was the first comic uh, for Demon, written by Garth Ennis and John McCrea. They would take over the book for a while. Ennis had already been writing Hellblazer for a good two years prior to this, but this was John McCrea's break into American comics. Now, the other big thing going on at this time, ever since Image was, uh, ever since Image hit the stands in late 1992 or whenever it was, we were getting publishers who were trying to create their own universe of comics. Not just titles, but a universe. So we got Ultraverse, right? And this month we were seeing the first issues of Exiles and Prototype. We were already up to issues 10 of X Mutants. Um, Hard Case was kicking off, Mantra was there, The Strangers, Freaks, The Protectors. So that was the Ultraverse. We were getting the crossover between Image and Valiant Comics in a book called Deathmate. Remember that? And in August, they released Deathmate Blue. 
Over at Dark Horse, they were doing Comics Greatest World, 16 one-shots with titles such as The Wolfgang, The Machine, Barb Wire, Motorhead, and one of them called Catalyst Agents of Change, which was the one that I got because it had a George Perez cover. Marvel UK had books like Gene Dogs, number one, Gunrunner, number one, and Genetics, number one, all uh, new this month in August of 1993. We also would get Dark Guard, number one of four, which was an early work of both Carlos Pacheco and inker at the time, Oscar Jimenez, uh, and the story was by Dan Abnett. Now, Marvel was doing their Marvel 2099 universe, and with this month, we would get X-Men 2099 number one by John Francis Moore and Ron Lim. We had the Milestone universe that was going on at DC this time. Blood Syndicate was up to issue seven. Hardware was up to issue eight. Icon was up to issue six. Valiant was raging on. And in August of 1993, we would get Second Life of Dr. Mirage number one. Over at DC, they were kind of doing the same thing with their Bloodlines annual. Uh, All the annuals where they would introduce a new character. And this month, we would get Gunfire and Mongrel, and Sparks, and the Terror Smith. <laughs> I think Gunfire got his own title, and Mongrel, did he show up in, he showed up in Hawkman, I think, or Hawkworld, or Titans, I forget. And uh, how could we ever forget Defiant Warriors of Plasm, number one. Oof. Uh, and over at Image, we got Union, number one, with art by Mark Texiera. I really like Union, actually. And finally, 25 years ago, August of 1993, from Vertigo, we had The Extremist, number one of four, a miniseries by Peter Milligan and Ted McKeever. Okay, let's jump to 50 years ago, August of 1968. Is it any wonder we're getting another Vision series because 50 years ago, August of 1968, we got... The first appearance of Vision in Avengers number 57 by writer Roy Thomas. John Buscema was the penciler. We had George Klein, Inker, and and, uh, the rest of the company there. With that famous cover of him standing larger than life in almost all red, looking over the Avengers while he reaches out his hand. It's an image that uh, I'm surprised they haven't created in the movies because it's pretty striking. Over in Adventure Comics 373, we have the first appearance of The Tornado Twins, Don and Dawn Allen, written by Jim Shooter. Uh, Jim, Jim Shooter and Wynn Mortimer were the pencilers. Uh, Wynn Mortimer was the inker. 50 years ago of, at that time, what was known as the descendants of Barry Allen. And ha- um, since then, they have become the son and daughter of Barry Allen Flash uh, post-crisis. So, yeah, 50 years ago, Tornado Twins. Also 50 years ago, Batlash number 1. After appearing in Showcase 76, he finally gets his own title. It'll only last seven issues. And it was written by Sergio Aragonis and Denny O'Neill with pencils and inks by Nick Cardi. Blackhawk 253 was the final issue by Bob Haney and Pat Boyette. Now, it would continue with issue 244, but not until another seven years later when they would get um, the costumes that looked a little bit more superheroic. Brave and the Bold 80 was the first team-up of Batman and the Creeper. 
Now, the Creeper has only been around since uh, Showcase 73, and then he had three issues of his own series to date, and this story was by Bob Haney and Neil Adams and Dick Giordano, so Steve Ditko was not a part of this story, but he was doing the solo series that the Creeper was featured in. So that's pretty, you know, to have him only appear in three or four issues prior to meeting Batman, that's kind of a big deal. Over in Captain America 107 by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, first appearance of one of the villains that I kind of like, even though I haven't read many issues. But he it was the first appearance of Dr. Faustus, another character that uh, unless, unless he has showed up on uh, a Marvel TV series, I don't think has had an appearance in a live action uh, movie or TV series, series since. Let's see, we have Fantastic Four Annual Six. This is pretty big. First appearance of Annihilus by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, as well as the Cosmic Control Rod, as well as the birth of Franklin Richards, although he wouldn't be given a name for a few issues until issue 94. So Fantastic Four Annual Six, 50 years ago, August of 1968. That means Franklin Richards is 50 years old. Uh, A few more for August of uh, 1968. We have X-Men 49, first appearance of Mesmero and Lorna Dane, who would eventually become Polaris. And this was by Arnold Drake and artist Don Heck. Mysterious Suspense number one, after appearing as a backup tale in four issues of Blue Beetle, The Question Returns in a story of his own by Steve Ditko and DC Glansman. And another Steve Ditko uh, series, Hawk and Dove, was at issue number two 50 years ago. And finally, 75 years ago, August 1943, I only have one, Wonder Woman number six, first appearance of the Cheetah, the Priscilla Rich version of the Cheetah. So is it any wonder she's getting uh, a part in the new movie? So, yeah, Wonder Woman number six, 75 years of Cheetah. What's kind of interesting is earlier this year, I read Alex Ross's Justice series, and the Cheetah was uh, featured pretty prominently in that story. Um, Well before the current Justice League story with Scott Snyder and his artists that uh, is doing a lot with the Legion of Doom, this 12-issue miniseries, maxi-series, called Justice by Alex Roth and Doug Braithwaite, um, this featured the Justice League and the Legion of Doom as well. I mean, it had the Legion of Doom headquarters. It had most of the lineup with a lot of additions. And as I said, Cheetah was featured prominently. I'm fairly certain it was the Priscilla Rich version. I can't remember. Um, I did take notes on that series because I wanted to talk about it but I haven't gotten around to it. But if you've never read that series, it's pretty great. It's really great. It's, um, I almost feel like it's Alex Ross's answer or response to Identity Crisis at the time because it came out, I think, a year or two after. And some of the things that they talk about, some of the themes, some of the characters they use, I kind of felt like, yeah, this is like his version of Identity. This is his way of saying, here's how you can do Identity Crisis without doing it the way that Identity Crisis actually was, even though I, I'm a fan. I like Identity Crisis. I have no ill will towards it. But anyway, um, that's just a tangent there. So yeah, 75 years of Cheetah. 
there you go. That's my anniversary look for August of this month. So now you know what to celebrate this month. If you have any additions, please let me know. Hopefully I'll continue with this month to month because as I said, I like this type of episode. I like to see what kind of new stuff I can find and compile, especially in relation to what's going on today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This has been the Daily Rios 433 for Tuesday, August 7th, 2018. Talk to you soon.